to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want to preach to you a message that is going to begin a series that I've entitled One, One. And I want to talk about how God has called us to be one, and I've entitled this message today, In This Together. How many of you know we're in this thing together? And so that's what I want to preach today. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, and as you're turning, let me just ask you a question. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? That's right. There is a place in the Bible, we're about to read it, where Jesus prayed for you. Yes, he had you in mind. That's right. When he prayed this prayer, it's all about you. Let's read it. John 17, beginning of verse 20. Jesus said, I do not pray for these alone. He was talking about his disciples that were there with him at that present moment. He said, Father, I don't pray for just these alone, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. What does he pray? That they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one just as we are one I and them you and me that they may be made perfect or complete in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me this is rich stuff We're about to go swimming in the nine foot end of the pool. Did you bring your swimsuit? We're not in the kiddie pool. We're going to go in the nine foot. Everybody ready? All right, you can be seated. The theme of Jesus' prayer is very, very simple. It is unity in the church. Unity in the church. Now, before I go any further in this message, I need to do a precursor. I need to do a disclaimer, all right, because... I know how you do, because when I'm sitting listening to preaching, I can be tempted to do this. This is the disclaimer. There there are no troubles in our church. I'm not preaching to address disunity and discord and high praises. So I don't want anybody here or anybody watching online think, because you know, you sit there and the preacher's preaching some of the stuff, they're going, we got problems in the church? What's going on around here? I haven't heard anything. Well, you haven't heard anything because there's not anything. I'm just preaching preventatively today, and I'm preaching the Word today, and so uh, we're going to talk about unity. But when I pray, I normally pray about the things that are important to me. Do you do that? So Jesus prays about something that was important to him then. It's still very important to him today, and that is that you and I would be one as believers, that you and I would be one. That is, that we would be unified as children of God. And he makes this fascinating comparison. He says that he wants us unified here at High Praises as he and his Father are unified. That's pretty rich. So let's go on the nine foot into the pool. The Bible depicts God as a triune God as a trinity. Now, the word trinity is not in the Bible, but the concept is clearly there, that God is three in one, that there is diversity but unity, three personas or persons but one God. We do not believe 
in three gods, God the Father, God the Son, God, that is polytheism. We are not at all polytheists. We are monotheistic. That is, we believe in one God. The Shema of Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love that one God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body, or strength. And so we believe there is one God. And yet, God has revealed that he is three persons or three persona. So somehow they're three in one. I know right now some of you are going, I'm trying to get my brain wrapped around this, Pastor Chris, but I'm having a hard time. You just need to stop right now because you're not going to figure it out. It's a holy mystery. People have tried to figure it out. They've tried to use symbols and ideas. You know, you got an egg with the yolk and the, and then the, is the yolk the yellow or the white part? Which is it? Yellow, okay. You got the yellow part for yolk and then the white gooey part and then you got the shell. And they say it's three in one. They try to come up with these representations. But it doesn't work, okay? It just doesn't because, and so, and my dad for years, and dad's probably watching right now, so dad's gonna love this. My dad for years preached this and so I've carried it on the next star generation. Maybe Evan will do it. But I've tried to preach what he's preached. My dad said, if you try to figure out the Trinity, it'll blow your mind. But if you don't believe it, it'll blow your soul. Okay, so that's that. But, so we know God is this three. So here's what we understand. God the Father and God the Son are perfectly united as one. They're not divided from one another. They are one in essence, one in substance, one in nature, one in power, one in glory. One is not superior to the other. One is not inferior to the other. Jesus made it clear in John 10, 30 when he simply said, I and my Father are one. And the union between Jesus and his Father is so perfect that if you see one of them, you see the other one of them. And so I'm gonna show you this on the screen. If you go back three chapters to John 14, verses eight through 11, Jesus is having a discussion, discussion with his disciples and one of the disciples, Philip, says something to him. Here's what it says. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, just show us the Father. Show us God. We wanna see God and, and it is sufficient for us. That's enough for us. That's all we're asking. We just wanna see God. And with exasperation in his voice, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Philip, show us the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? You go to verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father, Philip. Philip. <laughs> He's getting exasperated, Philip. Phil. Look at me, Phil. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. If you've seen me, Phil, you've seen God. Don't you know we drive the Lord crazy sometimes? Some of us more than others. They're one. Yeah, but he's God the Son. Yeah, he is. He's God the Son, but he's still God. But he's God the Father. Yeah, but he's God. But God the Holy Spirit, you even talked about him. I know, but he's God. They're God. There's one God, three persons. Can't figure it out, but they're perfectly united as one. So how does that play out? 
God the Father and God the Son work together in concert. They work together in harmony. They share the same purpose. They share the same will. They operate as one in work, in creation, in authority, in doctrine, and in judgment. They are in perfect agreement regarding their eternal purpose and the execution of their plans. There's never discord in the Godhead. There's never God self-conflicted. Always, he always works together as one. So how does that play out for us? God wants us to be one. Just like God the Father and God the Son are one, he wants us to be unified. And like him, he wants us, high praises, to work together in concert and in harmony. He wants us to share the same purpose and will. Together, we should strive for harmony in authority and in doctrine and in judgment calls that we have to make that are according to God's word. Listen to me. I'm going I'm to kind of go someplace here, so just stay with me. It got real quiet in the first service, but that's okay. It doesn't bother me. God does not want his people divided or at odds with one another. Strife and division are not what God wants. They if strife and division get in the church, it disappoints God, and that's putting it mildly. I'm just going to tell it straight. God hates it. God hates it when there is, and I know some of you grew up in churches or maybe been in churches where there was strife and division. Let me tell you right now, God hated it. God never liked it one moment. Let me show you Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Seven, yes, seven are an abomination to him. The list goes like this. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and number seven, the one who sows discord among brethren. When you sow discord in the church or between believers, God hates that. No church is perfect. So you need to understand, you may clash with another believer in the church. Let me help some of you, especially those of you who are young in the Lord or those who are newer to the church. Let me help you with something. Listen to me. We got a great church. We love each other around here. But just stay in church. Just keep coming to church, and eventually you're going to clash with somebody. It's going to, oh, Pastor, what happened here? Y'all are so wonderful. Y'all been so nice to us. We just think y'all wonderful. We are. I can't believe I just said that. For the most part, we are. But the reality is, you just keep coming to church. Y'all know I, ple I preach plain, don't I? Somebody's going to be a jerk. Somebody, brother jerk's going to come along. Just wait. Sister jerk's going to come along. You just wait. She's going to be mean. Somebody's going to say the wrong thing to you. You're going to get hurt. You're going to forget it. Why? Because we are people. And I'm going to talk about maybe more of this and I preach in the future. But don't be shocked or surprised if you clash with somebody over an issue or you disagree about something with somebody in the church. 
It's, it's not abnormal and it's not necessarily a bad thing. And if you don't think that it's not been around for a long time, I could take you in the Bible all the way back to the first century church, back to Acts, where there are these two wonderful men named Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas are a missions team. As a matter of fact, Barnabas is the mentor to Paul, believe it or not. We, also, we always like to say that Paul went on his three missionary journeys. Actually, the first one was Barnabas, and Paul went along with him. Anyway, that's another story. And so, and so Paul and Barnabas decide to go on a missionary journey to spread the gospel. Barnabas has a relative named John Mark. He says, let's take this young man with us. We'll train him. He can work with us. Paul says, great. They get on the trip, and John Mark's complaining and whining and grumbling and said, I didn't know that it was going to be rough. And then they get up to this country. I'm homesick. I miss my mama. Well, you ain't going to see your mama. We're going to be gone for months because we're preaching to I want to go home. I don't like this. People are making fun of us. They threatened to stone us in one of these. And he got on a boat and went home. Well, Paul and Barnabas finished their missionary journey. They came back to, to, to Antioch. And, and so they, they were reporting to the church all the good things that God had done. And after a few little while, Paul looks at Barnabas and said, let's go back and visit all the churches again. Let's go on another missionary journey and preach the gospel. Barnabas said, great. So we're going to take John Mark with us. And Paul said, oh, no, we're not. Not that flaky little thing. He, I, I'm not putting up with that. Barnabas said, let me tell you something. You aren't in charge here. I am. We are going to take that flaky little thing. That's my relative. Don't talk about my family that way. And they got into it. Now, I don't know what happened, but there were words said, and, and, and anger rose, and emotions you know, got, got heated, and they got into it. So much so that Paul looked at Barnabas and said, I tell you what, big boy, I don't need you to go do the hand, will of God and the work of God in my life. You just go on your missionary journey by yourself. I'm going to take my crew. Into well, Barnabas said, well, I don't, you know what? I don't want anybody like you. You snoot a little thing anyway. You think you're better than everybody else. I'd rather be with John Mark than you any day of the week. We're going this way. And that's how they left each other. Woo, it's a wonder the church even got out of the gate, isn't it? Now, you read that in the Bible. It's there, and you think, good Lord, how'd they do this? They did it because they had differences. See, Paul, Paul wanted everybody to be just like him. Paul wanted everybody to be fully committed just like him. Barnabas, who took Paul under his wing and got him sort of groomed, said, I'm going to have to do the same thing with John Mark. But Paul didn't have the same patience. See, some people, some people have more patience with that next generation and able to say, come on, you, I want to give you chances to fail. I'm going to help. And that's how Barnabas wasn't going to work. Two different leadership styles. They needed to split. Good thing was when they split, now you got two guys spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Well, you say, Pastor, what is there? whatever happened to the two? They, they made up. They made up. Paul and Barnabas made up. It was, just, it was just a tiff. It was a situation. They made up. And how we know they made up and everything went fine. Well, did Paul ever, did Paul write off John Mark? No. You read Timothy. It's like in 2 Timothy. It's his last letter. He's about to die. And he's writing to Timothy saying, oh, by the way, tell John Mark to come. Bring him with you. He's profitable for me. That guy is some more minister and I need him. Will you bring him with you? That's pretty complimentary, isn't it? The flake is now somebody that Paul says, I want on my team. And that's the whole point, brothers and sisters, of High Praises Church, is that you're going to clash and you're going to fight, but what, you, what you're supposed to do is make up. You reconcile. You work it out. Now, psychologists tell us that when you are faced with a crisis, um, you're going to do one of four things. You're either going to flee, which is the flight mode. You're going to fight, but it's the wrong kind of fight. 
you're going to freeze and do absolutely nothing. Like the ostrich, you're going to put your head in the sand. Or you're going to formulate a plan and deal with the crisis. Well, obviously, number four is the right answer. Formulate a plan and deal with the crisis. So when you clash with somebody in the church, when you have an issue with somebody in the church, whatever happens, somebody hurts your feelings, somebody offends you, let me tell you three things you shouldn't do. Number one, you don't leave the church hurt and angry. You don't take your ball and go home. Take my ball, go home. Okay, but that's what it sounds like. Say, so like the rest of us watching, you leave the church. That's flight mode. This is where it gets real quiet. See, it's already gotten quiet. Those of you watching at home, just be quiet. Don't say anything because that's what they're doing here. You go into flight mode. You're hurt, you're upset, and you're just going to go to another church. We're going to go find us another church. Here's the problem. If that's the way you handle the situation, every time you have a conflict with somebody, the next time some Mr. Jerk at that church hurts your feelings, then you go take your ball and say, I'm going to another church. You heard? And you'll be at seven churches in six months. And that's what people do. They go from, because they've never learned how to work through the issues and reconcile and work it out. And the more hurt they get, then they just bring that with it and it goes from church to church to church and it compounds like interest and you ought to feel sorry for the last preacher that has to deal with them when they've been hurt by people at five other churches. I mean, Jesus could come in and not make that church perfect to them. You don't flee. Second, when you clash with somebody, you don't talk about that person and try to form sides against them in the church. That's fighting. You've created a war. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, that should never happen because when you start forming up sides and getting people to side with you and get against that other person in the church and you're on Facebook and you're typing things and you're sending text messages and you've got a little campaign going, a little crusade, and you're going against that person and you're now creating division in the church, let me just tell you something you need to know. You think you're a social warrior or church warrior maybe and you're going to go fix this thing and you're out to get that person and you're going to troll them on, on social media media. You're on a campaign. Let me tell you something. You're not after a church member. Jesus is the head of the body. And anytime anybody, including people in the church, start attacking his body, he takes it personally. When Paul was Saul was persecuting the church, God knocked him to his face on the road to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Not the church. Not the church. Who did he say? You're persecuting me. You do not want to take on God. You will lose. I want you to think, because I've seen people do this. I've seen people lose their minds on Facebook and start going after the preacher or going after the leader or going after somebody. Lose their minds. What they don't know is you're doing nothing that's going to help. Nothing's going to make that you're fighting. When you clash with somebody, you do not say nothing and hold it all in and stew and let unforgiveness and bitterness build up in you like a pressure cooker. That's freezing and doing nothing. And so you come to church and it's eating away at you, but you won't talk to that person. 
And you find out which service did they come to. They come to the second service. We're going to the first. And then you decide you want to come to worship night and worship Jesus with all that bitterness and unforgiveness inside of you. Open my eyes, make sure my church is still here. And you walk in, and that person who offended you is standing over there, and you just wait to see which side of the church they sit. We're sitting over here. Then they, then you have to go to the bathroom. And while you're going, they're coming out as you come in. You can't get away from them. And so you go. You give them the look. You're not saying anything because you're holy in your unforgiveness and bitterness. You're superior to them, so you just give them the look. And when you get news that something has happened in your life, you quietly rejoice about it. And inside, you'll never say it because you just don't want anybody to hear it, but inside, you think, boy, I wish something bad would happen to them. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. That's not how you deal with it. you got to formulate a plan, and Jesus has given us the plan. When you clash with somebody in the church, you got to deal with it. You got to talk to them. You got to work it out. Give me an amen there, somebody. There you are. I've got it on the screen Matthew 18, 15. Jesus said, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Don't put it on Facebook. That's not alone. Okay, don't get three other people and gang up on them. That's not alone. You go to that person alone and you say, listen, we need to talk. Well, yes, I think we do. When you said what you did, when you wrote what you did, when you treated me the way you did, it hurt me, it disrespected me, it offended me, I expected more out of you, whatever. You tell them and then let them talk and then you talk it out and then you say, if they say that I'm so sorry, I didn't know, please for you forgive them. And if you said and did some things wrong, you need to be big enough to say, well, you know what? I probably didn't handle this right. Please forgive me. Will you forgive me? I forgive And then you love each other and you go on your way. That's how you fix it. Okay, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him it's fault between you. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. You don't want to lose your brother. Have you ever thought about if we did the other three things in our families? Your mama says something hurts your feelings. Your daddy does something hurts your feelings. Your brother calls you a name. Your brother's going to call you a name to the day you die. I look at my grown sister sometimes. I say, honey, sis, is your face hurting? I say, because it's killing me. <laughs> shut up. So I always get a shut up. Okay. And, 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 and it's, but in the church, but it, what if in your family, somebody said, I believe in this family. I'm leaving right now. Where are you going? I'm going to another family. I'm hurt. Maybe that other family will treat me better. What family are you going to? I don't know. The one down the street. It's what we do in church. I'll tell you right now, you do that in my house, I'm going to say, what? What's your problem? I'm coming to your house. I'm going to let you raise me. Oh, no, you aren't. 
you going back home, work this thing out. I'm calling your mama right now. Okay, that's not how it works. I'll, I'll feed you supper if that'll make you feel better, but you go home. You just think it doesn't work in the real world, but in the church, we create these little situations. You work it out. You be a big boy, a big girl, and you work it out. Jesus, again, in Luke 17, verses 3 and 4, said, Take heed to yourselves. Better pay attention. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Now, that doesn't mean you get to preach to him and chew him out. What that means is you go to him and tell them what they did wrong. Do you want to know what therapists and psychologists and counselors say? One of the best ways, marriage counselors say this, one of the best ways to approach somebody is don't make it personal. I want to talk to you. First of all, I want to tell you you're an egg-sucking dog. We're going to reconcile today. What? Okay, you can't make it personal. Stay with the issues. Stay with the issue and share how you feel. So go to that person in the church that hurts you and go to him and say, I want to talk to you. When you said X, Y, Z, it made me feel A, B, C. Fill in the blank. When you said X, Y, Z to me, when you did X, Y, Z to me, it made me feel, well, when people don't know how you feel, and if you said that to me and said, Pastor, when you walked up to me the other day and looked at me and said, you're an egg-sucking dog, that hurt my feelings. I'm going to go, Really? And then I'm going to go, I didn't know. I would never want to hurt your feelings. Well, you shouldn't go around telling people they're egg-sucking dogs, Pastor. Well, I'm so sorry. I'll try to do better about that. Will you please forgive me? But I didn't know it hurt you. I would never want to hurt you. See, usually if you tell them how you feel, people in the church will say, I never want to make you feel that way. See what I'm saying? So I'm giving you some really practical things today. But Jesus, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, says, I'm sorry, your job is to forgive him. None of this, well, I'll think about it. Think about it. You forgive them right then. What if God told you when you did something wrong? I'll think about it. Better hope the rapture doesn't take place between now and then. Right? You want him to forgive you right then, don't you? So you have to forgive your brother right then. Now, it gets interesting. And then Jesus said, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. You can make it right with somebody in the church. You get it all squared away, and you all hug and cry. And, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And you hug it on each other, cry. And you say, this is wonderful. And, you, and then you go away, and three days later, she does something else. What? Did you see what she posted about me on the Internet? I went to church, and she said this. Somebody just called me and said she said this about me. Why is she talking about me like that? You got to go to them again. What do I do, Pastor? You go to them again. Confront them. I get to cry. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. What are you supposed to do? You got to forgive him again. Hug, cry, make up. What if four days later she does it again? Pastor, this is ridiculous. How many times? Have I... Jesus said you just got to keep you working through it. Maybe they got a really serious problem, but you're working. Through... Never do you get to play God and do final judgment on them. Let that simmer and stew. Because when you hold a grudge, you play God. Who died and made you God? 
I pray oftentimes, see, I pray the Lord's Prayer, and oftentimes I get in that prayer and I start praying, and I say, Lord, forgive me my trespasses. I forgive those who trespass against And I mean, there are people hurt me sometimes. People do that. I say, God, I forgive every one of them, every one of them, and Lord, I turn them over to you. You'd rather deal with me than God. No, you'd probably rather deal with God than me. He's more gracious than I am. So I say, Lord, I turn them over to you. And I'll tell God, God, I'm not holding any grudges. I'm not, I'm not, play, I'm not letting anybody send me to hell. I'm not going to let anybody send me to hell because something they said or did to me. I'm not going to let it happen. Ain't no goat going to steal my glory. Right? I forgive them. I'm not going to hold any grudges, Lord. Is this working? Is this all right? Is this good? All right. Good Lord, I'm running out of time. Somebody tell the children's department I need another hour. Okay, so Jesus' desire is that we should be one as he and the Father are one. Now watch this. Still in the deep end of the pool. Then he says, I also want you to be one in the Father and the Son. In the Father and the Son. So not only are Jesus and the Father and the Spirit one, but now he says, because you're saved, you're in us. And we're one. I want you to all be one just as you're one with me. Now, I'm going to make all the Gamecock fans uncomfortable right now, but I'm sorry. If you want to call me later, we'll, you can tell me how it makes you feel. So anyway, <laughs> I got myself tickled doing that. All right. I can't help it. I pull for the Tigers. So uh, two or three years ago, uh, Jaron, my oldest son, and Leah and I got on a plane, flew to Tucson, drove into Phoenix for the Fiesta Bowl and the semi-playoffs for the football when Clemson played Ohio State. I was there at that game. And we were outnumbered maybe 3-1 to one to 4-1. to one. It was crazy. Ohio State fans will come out. And so we all, Clemson fans, kind of sat together in that stadium. But we were outnumbered. But you know what? We had our Clemson orange on. We were ready to cheer on. And, uh, and, and, and here it is. We got all these people that are strangers. Only, only three people, the only two people I know are Evan and, and uh, I mean, Aaron, Jaron and Leah. I, I don't know anybody else. But I got all these people there, for, you know, that they're Clemson fans. And so you start talking. See, we had this, we had this bond that was created by our affinity with a college football team. And so you would talk to anybody in orange and anybody in that, that red and white, you, had, you avoided them, see. You snubbed them. But anybody in orange, see, they were, you, so we just talked to anybody, right? total strangers. We act like we knew each other our whole life. We'd talk and then the game started and we were, and boy, if things weren't going good and there for a while, it didn't go too good. We're looking, oh man, David. oh, we're looking at each other, boy, this doesn't look good. No, that's not, I don't even know this person. We're just talking to each other. And then as the game goes on, we'd score a touchdown. We'd make good plays and everybody's laughing and cheering and high-fiving each other. And then we'd score and we're all high-fiving. I don't even know these people. They may have germs all over their hands. We high-fiving everybody. And, 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 and the longer it went, the closer we got. And then we got to the end of that game, and Ohio State was coming down the field right at the end. It looks like they were going to score a touchdown and win the game. And we're like, oh, no, this is no good. And then he, Justin Fields threw that ball, and our, and our cornerback caught the ball in an interception on in the end zone. And for that split second, we were like, what just happened? And the next split second was, we intercepted the ball. And then the next split second was, we won! And everybody who was in orange went, we won! like this and we're yelling and screaming and cheering and crying and people are and this guy this big guy that was near us he gets my wife in a bear hug and he's got her up and down like this in the stadium and it didn't even bother me it didn't bother her 
We're just laughing and excited and we're all high-fiving and oh, this is wonderful. And we stayed for the end of the game and the award ceremony. We're just bumping people and talking to people. We don't, I don't even know these people. I'll never see them again. But see, we had this affinity that just brought us together. Let me tell you something. And, and take, take all that sports stuff out as much as we love that and that's something to us. And if you've ever been to a game, you know what that's like. Let me tell you something. There is a bond because we are children of God. There is a common denominator. There is a bond and it's not a college football team. It's God. It's just God. We are united with him and we are united in him. I want to say something to you. I am running out of time. I want to say something to you. You need to hear me say this. You have a very real spiritual union with God. It's not theoretical. It's not just theological. It's real. When you got saved, the sin went out and the Holy Spirit came inside of you. And you are body, soul, and spirit. You are a trichotomy. Your body is the gateway to the world. Your soul, your mind, your heart is the gateway to yourself. And your spirit is the gateway to God. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, 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 the Holy Spirit, came in to your... Now listen, 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says this. You gotta hear this. This is worth coming to church today. It's like somebody giving you a caramel popcorn ball. Better than that. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. If you're saved, your spirit is joined. I don't, I don't explain it. It's united with the Holy Spirit. You don't just have Jesus. I mean, you're, you're united with Jesus. You're not just saved. You're united with God. You're just not going to heaven. You're united with God. Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down. You got Jesus, the spirit of Jesus is inside of you all the time because it's, and it's not like he's in and he's out. It's like, I'm just gonna merge with your spirit. You have a real spiritual, that's why you can praise and worship in spirit and in truth. That's a whole other sermon. So let me explain it to you another way and I'm gonna close with this. I'm gonna say something, then I'm gonna flip it, Okay. So here's what I'm talking about, your union. You and I are in Christ. That's Paul's, one of Paul's most popular phrases to describe our relationship with God. You are in Christ. Let me explain. Before we were in Christ, we shared a common bond that we were in sin. You with me? So we were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead in trespasses and sins. We were in league with the devil. We were in bondage to sin. We were in darkness, you and I. That was our common denominator. We were living in opposition to God. We were in violation of his holy commands. We were living in unbelief relative to his truth. But watch this. Now that we are saved, we share a different common bond. We were taken out of sin and placed in 
Christ. We were baptized into the body of Christ. We were placed in the family of God. So I'm a new person. You're a new person. The old man has died for you. The old man has died for me. Your life, my life is hidden with Christ in God. See, so consequently, I love Jesus. Well, guess what? You love Jesus. I serve the Lord. Well, guess what? You serve the Lord. I obey Jesus. You obey Jesus. I want to work for Jesus. You want to work for Jesus. This thing has pulled us together because you and I both are in Christ. But let me flip it. Not only are you in Christ, but Christ is in me and Christ is in you. So you and I are partakers of the divine nature. Your body and my body are temples of the Holy Spirit. We both have a divine presence within us, God, that enables us to live right, love each other, forgive each other, put up with each other, accept each other, work together, worship together, pray together, and minister together. I want to say something before I leave this house as I am fighting that clock on the wall. Diversity does not mean division. So many churches in America are homogenous. Everybody looks the same. Everybody talks the same. It can be an all-black church, an all-Hispanic church, an all-white church, an all-white church with middle class, an all-white church with rural people, an urban black church. But everybody looks the same, and that's fine because birds of a feather flock together. Sometimes that's the way the demographics worked out. This pastor, 22 and a half years ago, came to Anderson and said, I don't want to pastor a homogenous church. I want to pastor a church that looks like heaven. And we have that in this church. There is diversity, great diversity in High Praises Church. So let me just remind you, you are so different in so many ways, y'all. We have diversity in race, diversity in gender, of course, male and female, ethnicities, differences in economic classes, social classes, ages, religious backgrounds. Some of you are white collar, some of you are blue collar. Some of you are educated, some of you are less educated. Y'all, we even have Yankees in our church. And all the Yankees said, yay. See, you got a bunch of them here. And you found your way here. You know why God brought you here? Because you might not be able to go to other churches because they're so homogenous. They ain't going to take that little Yankee wine of yours and put up with it because you don't have a draw. But you can come to this church because you have a pastor who spent the first 14 years of his life as a Yankee living up north. And we have a church filled with people from all over the country. And when you come here, we have diversity that says, we don't care what you look like. We don't care where you came from. You can just come here because we are born again. And if you're born again, you're my brother. You're my sister. His blood has made us one. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Everyone's heart here was black with sin. Everyone here trusted in the red cleansing power, the red blood of Jesus. And guess what? Everyone here has their heart now white as snow. We're all sons and daughters of God. Everybody's name here is written in the Lamb's book of life. Everybody here that's saved has been justified by grace through faith. His blood, his cross, his power, his saving work has made us one. So see, we're in Christ and Christ is in us. It's changed our life. I want you to stay with me this morning. And in like two minutes, I want to wrap this up. I could preach probably for another 30 minutes if I preach the rest of this text. But let me just finish with this. 
I'm really looking forward to doing this series. Jesus said, the reason why you need unity at High Praises Church and every church, and ultimately we wish we had it in the church, is because when the world looks at you and sees the unity, the harmony, the love that you have one, by this shalman know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. When they see it, it makes the coming of Jesus as Savior real. Look, when we fuss and fight and talk about each other and clash with one another, and the world sees that in the church, you know what they say? Y'all ain't any different than me. Why would I want to go to your church? Because y'all ain't even different from me. Y'all acting just like we act. There are, it shoots our testimony to pieces. But when we love each other, forgive each other, accept one another, somebody walks in this church and y'all got black people in this church? Yeah, believe it or not, we got some white people too. Got some Hispanics here. Got some people from Serbia. Got some people from Ukraine. We got some people from Russia. We got a lady from Spain. I really like her because that's my heritage. I came from Spain. My great, 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 great grandfather came to the New World from Spain. That's why I got this dark skin. Get that nice tan y'all talk about all the time. Got that Spanish blood running through my veins. Hola. Just comes out of me. Got a brother from Puerto Rico. Okay. We got a brother over here from New Jersey. He's all right. Spirit-filled child of God. See what I'm saying? We got people from all over. Y'all do all that contemporary music, but y'all got a bunch of young people over there. No, we got a bunch of old people over here too. Got a bunch of senior adults. Pastor Billy, how many we got now? Like 100, 100 plus senior adults. 100 to 150 senior adults at High Praises Church. I had one of them tell me the other day, he said, Pastor, I like it loud. I said, well, uh, not everybody does. Well, I like it loud. Where's Larry Thompson? Larry Thompson came in one Sunday. He said, Pastor, I like his contemporary music. I, he said, you could go even more contemporary as far as I'm concerned. I thought, a senior adult telling me to go more contemporary. thought I was going to pass out. We have so much difference here. So much diversity. And yet, when people come in this church, what we get told all the time is this feels like home because we love each other. And when we love each other and forgive each other and somebody sees the diversity and yet they see the love and the forgiveness and the acceptance and how we work through and we're gracious, they look at us and they say, we're not like that. The world sinners say, we're not like that. We don't act like that. When somebody does us wrong, we get revenge. When somebody does me wrong like that, I key their car. I troll them on Facebook. Yeah, but we don't do that because we're family. Aren't you glad that his blood has made us one? Come on, how many glad for the unity? Hallelujah. Back when I was a kid, there was a group called the Imperials. And they used to sing. They actually started Southern Gospel. That was before my time. But I was around 12, 13, 14 years old. I remember, I think I was 14. And the Imperials were, got in the, the, the brand new contemporary Christian music. See, that was new. There wasn't always contemporary Christian. So they were on the, and they sang, they did this album. They sang, they say, you're my brother, you're my sister. So take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that 
can defeat us when we're walking side by side as long as there is love we will stand oh you're my brother you're my sister so take me by the hand oh together we will work until he comes there's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side oh as long as there is love we will stand and i think the imperials got it right you're my brother you're my sister and we don't need to let any foe or let anything or anyone ever come in and try to disrupt the church i want to tell you a prayer i pray sometimes matter of fact i pray it a lot i say lord grow our church exponentially and bring them in from the north south east and west and then i'll say lord keep out the wolves and sheep's clothing and keep out the black sheep people with toxicity people that are poisoned i say keep them out and then i say lord send them down to that church and i'll name another no i don't do that i'm just kidding i don't do that i'm just kidding I just leave that up to the Lord. But I do. I say, Lord, keep them out of high prison. Because when you've got unity, it's wonderful. So I just want you to lift your hands right now and thank God for your church. Thank God for unity. And thank God that even when there is disgruntlements and whatever, that God has made a way where we can love and forgive each other. Father, thank you for the word today. And that God, that we can walk and we can share and the world can see that Jesus does really save people and really does change people because we don't act like sinful people anymore. We love each other. We forgive each other. We don't get revenge. We work for reconciliation. God, that's what makes us attractive. And so God, may there be a magnetism to our unity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Empower us empower our witness our unity empowers our testimony and lord may we have a powerful testimony of your love and grace in our community in anderson greenville the upstate south carolina american around the world in jesus name amen can church say amen come on give god a praise this morning let's praise him lord we praise you hallelujah Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.